Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, before we get started, we want to make sure we give a shout out to the uh, Grinding Coffee Company. Um, they are they have been our sponsor for a while. They're a uh, minority-run, LGBTQ-run um, coffee company. They're very supportive of us. They like to support gamers, and we really appreciate um, them. I know Hobbs uh, is supported both as both on the podcast sense and also in the physically drinking the coffee yeah, and using I, their caffeine to get through the day sense. Yeah, they're they're definitely uh, in this household. They are a, they are a um, staple of our coffee. And now that we're so with Jen back to work, my wife back to work, we are doing a lot more. Um, we're doing French press every day still, so we're going through a lot more. And so we, we've been trying some other companies out, like we just buy coffee when we go places locally. We still always have at least two bags a month of grinding coffee company. There's just there's no way we're not going to. We love them. We love their coffee. Uh, we I'm going to be talking about this later, but in May we're we're doing the first of our charity streams that we've done in the past for mental health. Um, mm-hmm. So commander streams. We might do some panels this year. And I reached out to grinding coffee company. and was like, hey, you know, we're going to be doing this and. Uh, the person that I normally interface with was like, let's talk Monday. We'll come up with something to give away. I mean, it's just been, nice. they, they're just awesome, right? Like yeah. they're just, they're, oh, they're just, fantastic. They're fantastic. And I love their coffee. Like yeah. legit love their coffee. I've used it to make ice cream. It's great <laughs> coffee. See, I, I also low key. I, I love that the, uh, the plug, you know, the shout out that we give to them at the beginning is also like a update on coffee things that Hobbs has done recently. Like I, I love that part of the show. <laughs> so, uh, in addition to the Grinding Coffee Company, we also want to shout out the Fireside Alliance. Um, it's a it's a, a, a organization might be too formal of a term, but it's a group that uh, we we joined uh, last year. They're uh, just a bunch of content creators who who wanted to um, all have kind of have their own communities like we do in the Goblin Lore um, show in our in our and on our Discord, but they wanted to try to create a shared space. Um, for, to to help make better places on you know on the internet, and so it was a bunch of good content creators, progressive people create a progressive community of progressive communities. I believe is is how they like to is one of the taglines for for the organization. Um, so we we're on part of their uh, Discord. They have a great Discord that anyone can join, and also on their website they have a link to all the different content creators, um, podcasters, and and all sorts of all sorts of folk out there. Uh, we are actually the only magic uh, group content creators who are part of it right now. It's a lot of just kind of cool yeah. of, of all sorts of, of stripes, yeah, movies, so. books, like other yeah. areas. It's it's kind of interesting to have a similar focus and seeing uh, how other communities kind of talk about this stuff. Um, in fact, we're you know we're we're even talking to them about how we're going to handle May. I keep bringing this up because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're we're closing in on that again. Yeah, and it and keeps if- coming around every year. <laughs> Yes, and it's it's something we do every year. If you're newer to the cast, you may this may be new for you. But yeah, every May, uh, May is is National Mental Health Awareness Month, at least here in the United States. So every May, you know, mental health is is a topic for our show. Today, it's also going to be relevant. I'm just saying, it's it's a thing that comes up that we like to talk about. But in the month of May, because of that, we it's definitely becomes a focus. So every episode of our show will be mental health related in some way during May. Um, we'll also start doing uh, some extracurricular stuff. Uh, Hobbs done a lot of charity streams and we've other stuff. So we're every year we, we want to see who we can collaborate with and, and what we can do, but all to kind of raise awareness of and have conversations around mental health because it's such an important topic. All right. Well, 
to let's introduce ourselves. Yeah, four minutes in. Um, so today we're, we're going to well, go. That's back. pretty good for us, actually. Yeah, that's that's actually really good. For, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna finish reading from the script, Hobbs, because this is what I said I would do. So today <laughs> we are planning to return to Kamigawa to look at the use of technology. This is particularly interesting to me, Hobbs, due to the changes <laughs> that have occurred with offering psychotherapy virtually. I do appreciate that you, you did that. I was going to take it over. Um, knowing that I had written it in first person, but you reading it that way you makes know, it so much better. Like to, and we have, uh, we should let's introduce ourselves then. Yeah, and we'll then actually I'll introduce talk a little bit about then. what so, that actually means. Uh, I'm Alex Newman, found on Twitter at uh, Mel underscore Chronicler. Generally, I'm I'm not super active on Twitter right now. I've I've taken a, a big step back, though. I do poke in every so often to see if I have new messages. So if you do want to like say something to me, you can send me a message, and I'll see it eventually. I just I'm not like in the feed much uh, right now. Um, my pronouns are he, him. And for uh, our question, our burning inquiry, our question of the week, uh, what is one piece of tech from magic lore you would like to have? And I, th- when this question was pitched uh, by Hobbs, I was like, that is a really good question. And then I spent like two days having no idea how to answer that question. Um, and instead of like, I tried to sit down with the magic wiki for like, five minutes and then instead i just uh decided to go with swift foot boots um because i'm tired a lot and <laughs> i figured the haste would be yeah. really yeah. useful and and also hex proof in real life seems like re- I, I don't know exactly what that would be but in my head you know when people like will post things on social media and then they're like and miss me with with those takes that's what hex proof is in my head where people just like don't send the negativity at you or the ridiculousness or whatever. I don't know. I, 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 it's mostly for the haste, but I think that hexproof could be useful too. So I don't know exactly how you were thinking. Like, so this, this question is the thing. Was supposed to work. Yeah. Like, but that's it, it, I how mean, I came up with the answer. <laughs> so that's the thing. I was thinking of kind of, you know, um, you know, what got me thinking of this question uh, was something like the reality chip. Um, which we know has kind of been this, it was a, a story device that really, in Kamigawa, the return to Kamigawa, really introduced technology on a level that we have have seen a little bit during, like, original Urza. You know, we had mechs, you know, Urza. People, people this is the funny part, we've talked about this on our episode, it was sci-fi, like, cards like Void literally show people in mechs. Um, we have Squee firing a gun in the card Zap. Uh, I mean, and people were like, yeah, we can't have technology and magic. That's weird. We can't have sci-fi. It's like, it's always been there. Um, and we talked about that with Reinhardt a little bit. So I kind of cheated, <laughs> not shockingly, because like I was thinking along this lines of what's going on now. And then I decided to kind of go with the old school piece of tech, which is squeeze toy. We don't actually know what it does. <laughs> but if true. we just look simply at the flavor text, as the horrors closed in on Gerard, Squee trembled and clutched his toy for comfort. He didn't know where it came from or why it was so warm, but he was glad he kept it near. My understanding, based on everything I know, is that it is part of the legacy weapon, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm pretty well, sure yeah, it's it, part it, of the legacy it, weapon. It was one of the items of Urza's yard sale that didn't sell, and right. so it became part of the legacy weapon. That, right, so like, that's what so happened. Like, I I, I kind of love it. It like it prevents damage that would be dealt to a creature. It's very much this like cute little hedgehog, but it's an artifact. It's not like a real hedgehog that Squee has, and he he literally is carrying it in like all of his artwork. And I I am sure that it is a piece of tech that does something really really bad. 
or like very dangerous. <laughs> and this is kind of squeeze obliviousness because like maybe it's happened. Maybe it has done something horrible, but it can't die. So <laughs> if nobody's around and Squee gets killed. Does he make a sound? Does he make a, like, does, kind of like, does, does anybody know what the legacy weapon or the, the, what Squeeze toy does? We don't know. <laughs> so it is the piece of tech that I most need from magic lore. I love your heads are like this very, it's like, yeah, hey, be nice. And I thought of equipment. So I was like, ah, protection from things. And then I was like, no. Like yeah. I, I need to know what Squeeze Toy does. You, you asked this question, and the first place my my head went was like Gear Hulk. So it's like I don't need a Gear Hulk. That's a bad idea. And then it's just like I, I'm tired. I can't. Like I don't know what else to do. And it's like, I oh, love it. But you know, boots. that's vehicle, vehicles that have been introduced, and you know, there's you know, there, there's things that we could probably find if we went to Kaladesh. That was the other place that I was thinking to look at if I was looking for a good piece of tech. Um. But I just thought it was like kind of a fun question to kick us off because technology is at the forefront in Kamigawa. I mean, we're in a cyberpunk world that is thousands of years after the last time we were on Kamigawa, the great like Kami War, all of that. And from the get go in the story that we have, we have so we have Kaido basically training to be part of this like Imperial Guard with the, the Emperor. And there is a known group of futurists and they are these people that believe that kind of like they're doing tech illegally and they have all of this kind of tech that is underground. It's very black market. And in the very first story, uh, Kaido meets one of these futurists, uh, Katsumasa. And I have a couple of quotes here that just says, so Katsumasa and Kaido are talking on the rooftop and Katsumasa says, no parents, huh? When Kaido didn't reply, the man shrugged. Me neither. Mine died working in the factory. There was a toxic spill. All the sensors there were so old, nobody knew about the fumes until it was too late. He tensed his jaw. It could have been prevented if they'd had access to better equipment, but with all the Imperial regulations and the cost of updating anything in the Undercity, upgrading anything in the Undercity. The man's voice trailed off, but he forced another grin. I'm lucky I had extended family on Atwara. Otherwise, I might still be down here fighting over outdated tech and struggling to keep a roof over my head. He goes on to say, it's not right that anyone should control who lives and who dies. Technology should be for the people so they can look after themselves when no one else will. This is kind of Kaido's first part where he's getting exposed to this idea that there are people that don't have technology. He has been raised in this imperial world. It's not something that he quite fits into, but like he still has this belief that like, well, there needs to be regulations so that things are safe. But, you know, he, he, his interaction with Katsumasa is kind of his first acknowledgement of this idea that there are kind of haves and haves nots and seeing the difference in technology and what that means. So later Kaido kind of says a single path only works when everyone is equal. The Imperials are safe in Aigajan in Aiganjo. There is harmony with Kami, and technology is available wherever they need it. But there are places on Kamigawa that don't have these luxuries. People who need to push the boundaries of tech because their world isn't designed for comfort. And you shut it down. You control them because you can't imagine a plane where a civilian might need to invent different equipment to keep themselves alive and safe. You limit access to anyone who doesn't have the right permits without regard to those who can't afford them. Where's the balance in that? You are killing people and he trails off. Um, and this is when he is speaking to kind of people from the, the Imperial. Um, this stood out to me and it did when we did our overview of Kamigawa with 
uh, Ryan and with Michelle, because we did touch on this idea that throughout this initial story, there is this idea of technology on Kamigawa, but the difference is that it is not for everybody. Um, It is not just freely available. And this is something that comes up a lot in our society, right? You, You have people fighting over when we have bills for infrastructure, this idea that internet and devices and stuff are not infrastructure which to me is a wild thing to claim oh yeah in this this day and age where we're at like internet is i mean especially as as, i mean this was true of even a few years ago but particularly now in the you know um post-pandemic environment with learning from home for you know kids taking going to school from home people potentially working from home, like without internet access, you can't do any of that. Right. And I, and I will say too, it's already computers been... to access yeah. the internet on. You can't. So do that's the, that. you think about that, your phone, you, 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 I've heard comments made about people who are, you know, poor people, but they have these expensive phones. And it's this idea that somehow a phone is a luxury when it literally is this powerful thing in your pocket that does everything. I mean, that's how you hold a job. Some jobs, you need the phone. You know, there's all sorts of things. I mean, it's not the only way, but like I can play bus fare with my phone. There's all sorts of things you can do with the phone that make it vital. For Yeah. Well, you said a computer with computer access. Um, so in my, in my previous position where I am now, part of my job was helping people to find work. There are literally places that do not take paper applications. It's a thing of the past. So you have somebody who's homeless and looking for a job. They literally cannot even apply. So you hear this whole, you know, you know, people need to be out there looking for jobs. And then you, and people don't think through, you know, because maybe they haven't had to do it. But like you applying to like Walmart, Target, they have kiosks in, in, in a lot of them because you can apply on paper and pencil. You have to have computer access you are getting text or you're getting emails with interviews. You know, the we, one of the first things we had a computer lab set up for this reason, we had to teach people how to set up email, right? Like they've never done it before and it is a necessity. It is not equal across the board. And so it struck me when thinking about that with Kamigawa with kind of, you know, we have the the bigger arching story but this piece of this kind of like the conflict of the two of the different areas of kamigawa and how it's played out here versus maybe it was in in the original block uh you know we have the the larger story with tezzeret and the phyrexians and all that but this to me was a conflict that was very just i don't know it really resonated with me yeah no, and, and that makes sense, especially as we get more into this topic. It makes sense that it kind of it resonates with things that are you're dealing with firsthand. But that's a lot of. I mean, in the U.S., we have a similar thing in the healthcare system. It's like there's there's access issues for for things there too, and so this, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense that this would you would call this like this would this would be noticed by you like call itself out in the text yeah and and so um i recorded last night with um our friend shivam 
Um, and you know, he's, he came on a long time ago and he has his own show now. It's just kind of a casual MTG. It's really just kind of conversations about whatever. And we got talking about mental health. I mean, obviously <laughs> I mean, like, I'm on a show, you know, him and I start talking, you know, he does a lot with mindfulness, a lot with kind of his own spiritual community. Um, it has that element of like therapy and just connection. And we literally got to talking about the fact that, you know, where technology has been during the pandemic to even allow us to do something like a podcast, right? Like you and I have not physically seen each other in two years. But like, I know what's going on in your world. We have those conversations. We sit down and we get a chance to connect. Um, what we discovered at the the VA, so where I work, when and I talked a little bit with Shivam about this last night is, you know, we had to move to an online world. We know our distribution at the VA is, is bimodal. We have Vietnam era and older veterans, and we have kind of the younger veterans from the current conflicts, the middle ground is really kind of much lower. So if you think about that, we have these different populations and we now have to move everything to online to either phone or video. And we've got like 75 year olds who have never touched an iPad. Um, don't once again, that same thing that when we're trying to help people find jobs, let's not even go 75, let's go 50, 60, maybe that don't have an email, don't know how to use that. And now there are services that are no longer available to them. And that's in a man. I mean, that's in a, the closest thing we have to universal healthcare within the VA where they could get, you know, a lot of times they have the availability to get in to see a therapist is now like to take full advantage of it with video. And we're going to talk about teletherapy. That's kind of what the real world topic is. How do we get them connected? Uh, Let's just take even younger people who maybe are a little bit more tech savvy and live rurally that drove into the VA from 45 minutes away, you know, that don't have a clear internet connection where they're at. They don't have a good Wi-Fi signal. You know, data plans are expensive if you if you don't have them in a, in a certain way and you may not have ever had a need for one. Now to get your health care or to get certain services, it, it's a necessity. And what we saw in Kamigawa was people literally dying because they didn't have access to tech. Here's here's a weird question that might tangent us. And so that means it's probably appropriate to ask it as opposed to... I was to like, that means it's a good question. It. Just flat um, out we know, though, it's a good question. I'll say this is a topic that I've passing interest in, but I haven't gone super deep on. But are you, are you familiar with with like technological singularity or the the, the concept of the singularity? Ah uh, yes, I am. I am tangentially and and have a old roommate who was very, uh, very intensely interested in it. So okay, so so just to 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 lay out at least my understanding of it. And here I, I'm I'm gonna just read this quick explanation I found too, and then I'll kind of give my feelings. But uh, it says it's a hypothetical point in time at which techno technological growth becomes uncontrollable and irreversible, resulting in unforeseeable changes to human civilization. Um, I'm thinking about it, not exactly in that context, but in this sense where you, you, you said, you know, you kind of have these two groups, but you're, our, our society is coming to a point where we have technological change happening fast enough that older generations who've never even touched this technology are being required to learn it simply to get basic access, access to basic things because the technological change has sort of 
happened fast enough to absorb into these basic things. And, and we're just start, you know, we're, we're starting to do, I mean, this is a thing that has kind of been around for a little while, but it's starting to become more and more prevalent. And this is a thing that we might as a society have to deal with more and more as man, if we want to have some discussions about the singularity, Uh, I have a friend that I can bring on. Maybe that's probably off topic for this, but it's still, it's, it's a, it's a thing I've thought about where just this idea, you know, we're, if if we think about it, we're, we're now asking people to not even make a jump, say to a computer, but to an, mm-hmm. to an iPad, right. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're, we're taking this, uh, many levels about technology above where, where maybe somebody is comfortable. Yes. Because you know, there are levels of technology that they weren't, that they weren't required. They maybe you know, never had a need for computers, and now we're like well and, beyond that. Exactly. Computers and internet in the eighties, nine, you know, nineties, early two thousands, even 2010s to some degree have, we're, we're more of a, a luxury to some degree. Like you, there are things that make it a lot easier if you have access to the internet and a device on the internet. It doesn't necessarily have to be a computer. I know there's, there's parts of the world where computers were never super prevalent. So like smartphones are their primary access to the internet. And it's, it's made web. It, again, another thing that I have passing familiarity with, but not a lot of knowledge is, is like web design. There's a lot of place, a, a lot of places where in, in the last decade or more, they've really had to be cognizant of mobile, how their how their websites work on mobile devices, because there's places where there are every mobile devices are how people access the internet. They don't use computers. They don't have computers. Not really, not in a widespread way. Um, but in, in the West and the U S in particular, that is kind of the technology that we had first. And then the internet sort of connected all of the computers and then it sort of evolved from there. But you're right. There's, there's people being kind of forced to make, you know, leap through a few generations of technology again, just to have access to basic things that, 10, 15, 20 years ago, this wouldn't have been an issue. This wouldn't have been. It, it's a it's a paradigm shift that's hard too, like, right? Like this idea that uh, uh, going in and being personable, uh, it, like popping into a shop and being personable can't get you just a job maybe on this right there or that you have to fill out an application that is cumbersome online. Uh, and that's a shift. Yeah, you have to go through a few layers of things. You have to get online you have to get this thing filled out and then you have to go through the whole process of having an email and it's a different way of communicating which a lot of younger people will know who don't use their phones like phones because it's talking to someone on the phone talking to someone in person and ta- you know talking to someone through text or emails or messages and that way there's a venn diagram where there's certain overlaps but it's still different ways to commute i mean as as someone with social anxiety i know like talking having issues talking you talking on the phone is actually one of my social anxiety <laughs> symptoms i don't like speaking to people on the phone it it's in person or completely remove it and we're doing in text both of those i can do a lot easier than talking on the phone which is kind of this middle thing and so so i want to talk so th- this topic led me into thinking about the fact that what what i am doing now my job is completely shifted too you know we want to talk about a paradigm shift um i went from delivering very very little psychotherapy on phone or video that just that that is not what we've done that's i have had zero training in it other than you know 
the VA had it as an option because we wanted to offer services out to some of more rural areas. So there are these mini clinics that they could go to. They don't have enough people for a full-time staff. So they had some videos set up. I did a handful of times. This has not been a part of my job. Well, guess what, Alex? (laughs) (laughs) Now it is your job. Literally two years ago. uh, So Shiv and I are talking about this. Like yesterday is is really close to the two-year like lockdown, right? Mm -hmm. And within a week or so, the BA moved to complete video or phone therapy. And those are very different. So... I wanted to talk a little bit about the rise of teletherapy. It was it was starting to get movement, um, you know, outside of the VA. I know that it had been kind of, you know, there were people that were offering this, that this is video therapy, even telephone therapy is something that has been done, but never to this level, never in any way that I'm aware of or any metric that I could measure. It was not the primary modality. It was kind of a more unique thing to have. So I kind of wanted to address some of the pros and cons of doing this because it's, you know, you actually just segued very well by mentioning that social anxiety piece of the phone, right? And you and I talked even about beforehand about, you know, we we don't have video on right now. I mean, we are talking like it is a phone. We know each other well, but we don't do video, right? It's just not something that we do. Um, But that means that there's things that we're missing. So I wanted to kind of look at the pros and cons of teletherapy. And I did want to hit a little bit on some of the differences maybe between phone and video in particular. So I actually put out to people who are consumers of these uh, therapy um, this way. I kind of had, um, I just put it out as a question on Twitter. Um, Shockingly, I was like vague about it. Like, ah, I'm asking this for some reason where everybody knows the reason I was asking this. Cause you and I were going to talk about it. Cause like, <laughs> if I say something like that, it's cause we're doing an episode. It's, yeah. When, when, when all of your random, you know, quote unquote air quote, you know, questions all feedback into the podcast, it kind of becomes a pattern that people recognize. And my words, my use of words, like something and, and quotation marks are just generally a pretty good giveaway. <laughs> So I want to talk about it from a couple of different perspectives, if that's okay. It'd be kind of looking at yeah, absolutely. the consumer and then me talking a little bit. I want to talk about being a practitioner. Um, so have you done this, by the way? Like, I, cause I know you've talked about therapy in the past. Did um, you, and I didn't think you were still in currently, but. I have not done any current therapy. I have for... I've, I've done a little bit of telemedicine, which is, I think, a little bit different, maybe. Um, I, I did. Uh, I mean, going, yes and no. Going through th- yeah. my um, dealing, my, my whole thing with sleep apnea. I I had an in-person appointment in December, but then the, kind of the, for the follow-up after doing the sleep study, I had a, a phone call with the doctor. Just because that was, I could get that done a month sooner. Because this whole thing is, well, it's been a thing. So, so I have a, a little bit of experience, but it's it's like one, <laughs> the one appointment yeah. with him. Yeah. Okay. And as I say, I I know it, there is stuff that is to do with like the scheduling and um, being able to kind of how you can go to appointments. That it, it is very similar in medicine versus not. So, like that is one area that is. Yeah. Oh, and look at that. Uh, that's the first 
bullet point on the pros here. So that that fit for me. Like it was it was a good um, thing for time because this this particular doctor splits between his time between a few offices, and so the one that's or the few locations, the one that's near my work where I met him with him before. My next appointment was two months out, um, but then he I was able to get an appointment on a day when he was in. I can't remember what suburb, some city, someplace I wasn't going to get to because I don't have a car. So it's like, but because I can do it on the phone, I was able to get that appointment a month earlier and and still have that taken care of. I will say that's been one of the biggest things. So people have talked about the accessibility, both in time, terms of time and location. Um, and, and early research into therapy for video in particular has shown that it can be just as effective as in person. So it's not a ton of evidence yet. There's still a lot to be done. Um, it is very different kind of therapy in some ways. And we'll talk about that, but there is the early research suggesting that it can be just as effective. Um, the biggest cons or pros that I've had people tell me, uh, in my personal, like professional, um, in my professional life is they don't have to take the time off work. If they're working, they don't have to leave work. Um, transportation flexibility, less exposure during the pandemic. I mean, that was the main thing that led to this. I mean, at this point, uh, at the VA, we're, we're, we're open if people want to come in person. It is a very wide range between me and my colleagues. I actually have most of my people that I see want to be seen by video or phone. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And I, I wanted to ask other people who are consumers more so because in my experience, what I have found is being able to have therapy for kind of wherever so they can, if they, if they aren't going to be at their house or they're going to be out, they can pull over and we can have the therapy session uh, with them parked beside somewhere or in the comfort of their living room, or they could do it during a lunch break at work. Um, there's, they don't have to add in drive time or in your case, bus time or light rail time or walking time that makes a one hour therapy appointment really be half a two day. to three hour day. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's when I, when I did go to therapy uh, years ago, when I, when I was still actively going to therapy, um, I had to get, I had to find someone who had Saturday uh, morning appointments because otherwise I really wasn't going to be able to get there during the week without taking time off. And so I did a Saturday appointments and he was in downtown Minneapolis, which is helpful because just the way our, our mass transit is set up, most of it runs into and out of downtown. So I didn't have to take two buses to get somewhere. I could just take one bus into downtown, have my appointment, take the bus back home. But even then, again, that one hour session is going to be a four hour day of getting up, taking the bus down, waiting because I get there a little early, have the session, maybe we get chatting and then he it was great he and i would get into weird tangents so it was it was a it was a perfect fit for me and then like get on the bus and head home and so it's like that's a lot of my saturdays were taken up doing that for for a stretch of time it, it became a very stark thing for me to notice because you know you know for me i'm there all day right that's my place of work so somebody coming for an appointment is just like yeah there's their one hour therapy and I I have been aware of this or try to be cognizant of, you know, I, I will see people, you know, we serve it. We serve because I'm a hospital setting. We serve people all the way out to Wisconsin. I mean, it's not that far away in the sense of like, I don't want to make it seem like it's like six hours, but it's 
30 minutes to an hour one way. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you got to come in, you have to park, you have to wait for your appointment or people that got transportation from say a, a group home or from mm-hmm. a veteran's home, they have to take a, a van, a shared van, which means they may have to sit around all day waiting for the other appointments to be over. So a lot of people that I saw for therapy are weekly or every other week. And, you know, how are they doing this? Or if you have a job, how are you doing this? So we've opened that up quite a lot. Um, I'm able to see people, we mentioned that location thing. I can see somebody rurally now that maybe like wasn't getting served at the VA before because of these barriers like like the biggest pro to me is we are taking down a lot of barriers to just get people in mm-hmm. now efficacy is something that we still don't know like i said that early research is is positive but we don't know but to me if i'm potentially seeing I, like i just can't imagine a world where if i'm seeing somebody who wasn't coming in previously that it's not a net benefit people said that uh that there, there, like some other pros that people um, on Twitter mentioned were appreciating some of the space that the camera provides. So in a weird way, it removes some of the fear or judgment to not be in the same room as the person. So there is that kind of uh, that 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 ability to kind of um, there's a little distancing that might make it easier for you to be a little bit more open and honest for some people, because being in the same room might feel a little too personal, a little too real. And enough that you may kind of move to your defense mechanisms. Yeah. Well, and, and you're also in a, in a sense, I could see maybe for some people, and this isn't exactly what, what this person said, but I could also see for some people it feeling like if you go into the office and you are in this person's office, you are in their space. And now if you are doing it, you know, tele talking to somebody from now you're in your own space or whatever that may be. Maybe you're at work. You're in a, like if, for myself, like there's little, I got little meeting rooms near where my desk is so I could go in there and close the door. But even there, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of in a space that is more mine than if I went into an office and, and sat down in somebody's office and talked to them there. One somebody talked about like somebody else that they had seen a friend of theirs said one of the big pluses is that they could have the session with their cat in their lap. I mean, it's the same thing for work from home. Um, I'm in my basement now. Watson generally is laying behind me somewhere. Uh, you know, there is that piece being able to have a, a comfort element when you're processing difficult emotions and things. And, and something I'm seeing, and I think this fits for some more things down the list, and it's definitely for the things we've, we've talked about, but it's like a lot of these pros are just removals of friction, which is a topic you and I've talked about a little bit just together off air, you know, when we're having our conversations, because talking about planners and things like that, just sometimes it's hard to, there's just little, little things can get in the way where it's like some... It, I'm tired and I'm whatever. So just like, you know, it's a lot of work to try to fill out this whole week. I'm just going to set this aside and not worry about it right now. And then two, three weeks go by and I haven't done it. But so it's like finding little ways to reduce that friction to make it easier to just do the thing helps you maintain that habit, even if they're really small things. And some of these are not really small. Some of these are big, but even smaller things can really help you maintain a good habit. I think one thing that's been fascinating for me to see is uh, the, the where no-show rates have gone. 
And so this is, in some ways, I think, a product of the VA. So I know that for a lot of community providers, if you no-show or cancel appointments too late, um, there's like a copay or there can be fees for that. I don't have that. There's there's literally kind of no, there's really no, um, it's easier to not come to an appointment within the VA because there isn't going to be repercussions as much, you know, it might damage relationship, but I mean, from like a financial standpoint, from being able to reschedule, it's, it's not going to affect that as much. Now, when I moved to technology, and I think that a lot of this is based on these things that we've talked about, about not having to do a four hour day or these, these barriers that we were removed, people are not no showing my appointments anywhere near as much. It is, it is rare now to have a no show Wow, or a cancel comparative to where I was. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Because I remember you you telling me some days where you'd have like you you'd have a full booked day, and then you're like, yeah, I had one appointment today. I just got office work done. It's like okay. It's also a lot easier to you know it's as you kind of said, if therapy is difficult, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I've said this before, we literally are asking you to come in and do things that are uncomfortable and things that are going to feel not good or feel like kind of crappy. Um, now there's an intentionality. That's our big buzzword for this year. I would say already yes. is intentionality because there's a reason that you're doing these things. But now if you add in a drive or you add in sitting in a waiting room, so people have mentioned here, like not being in a waiting room, there's always the fear of judgment from other people, Uh, kind of the fear of judgment from the therapist. There's kind of all of these elements. The more of those that are removed, it's kind of easier to maybe click on a link and just show up. Yeah. And just, and just do it. And a thing too, I I, I wonder, and I don't know that this is a thing that happens, but at least for me, again, kind of thinking about this idea of I'm sitting in my own space, I'm not in their space. It's like, it would be easier to engage with some of the stuff because you know, at any point in time, if you really have to, you can just, close it. You just close that window early and be done with it. And you're in your, and you don't have to then be like, nope, nope. You don't have to be confrontational about I'm leaving halfway through my session. You just, you have an out that's easy and you're already at home or you're already out of that space. Yeah. And we'll, so you're getting into some of the stuff that I have down further. I I do want to come back to this. (laughs) Okay. Um, There's a little bit of both there. Um, So, and we're going to, there's some that I think are really good and you just hit on it. So, uh, we'll come back. Um, but I do want to say that like, also, you know, a lot of times if you know how, if, if you've done any telemedicine at all, the place calls you. So if you forgot your appointment, you didn't write it down as, as some of us are want to do is you and I talk about our planning, like you're going to get called. So there's a lot higher likelihood that it, yeah, you might be out doing something, but you may be able to still have that session. And I have had that happen. People are like, Oh crap. Like I forgot that we were meeting today. But I can just pull over. I can stop what I'm doing. I can still take that break. Versus if I call you because it's 10 minutes after your appointment and you're at your house. And, and I'm an hour and a half away. Right. Well, like, I, don't just, have, I don't have an appointment today. We'll just have to yeah. reschedule. Right. So um, people say kind of easy, cheaper. I think a lot of that comes into the timely in and out. You don't have to have a waiting room. You don't have to you don't, you don't have to maybe interact with as many people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one that somebody mentioned for the phone, and so we talked about the differences between phone and video. A pro to the phone is not being as distracted by the therapist's body language and writing. Now, this one is interesting to me as a pro because for me, I can think about this because I do take a lot of notes. I'm very upfront about it. I obviously, I'm a human. I'm going to give off body language, but that to me is also part of the relationship. And so that to me has been probably the hardest part for trying to do good therapy on the phone. Like I struggle with delivering good therapy because I, I am somebody that really utilizes nonverbals. Mm -hmm. And when I can't see those and I don't know what the other person at the other end is doing, it's very, very difficult Yeah, for me. So I thought it was interesting because this, I think comes back to the judgment piece and I'm thinking of it as a practitioner, like my notes and I, I've been very clear. I'll even show them to people are like, I'll be like, you know how we talk about how you forget things like you and I, uh, you know, like I tell you, you tell me how you have these problems in, in like your life. Well, guess what? I'm a human too. <laughs> like, if I don't write down week to week, what we talk about, like, I, you know, I, I see enough people that I may get things wrong and I don't want to do that. But I understand the fear. I understand the yep. concern or even, about, or even just the distraction. Like it's, and, and there may oh, be yeah. fear too, and there's nothing wrong with that as well. But it's like, it may not be fear. It may just be, you know, you're, you're talking and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you get a little, and that can yeah, be. The scribbling, you know, the scribbling. why did he write right then? Yeah. Um, what, yeah. yeah it's, I, it's some, I could see that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I could so, see that for some folks. Yeah. So like I could see that, you know, taking even and, and video, maybe the video does not, but phone, that's a good point. And it's something I had not considered. Um, I want to hit on some cons before going into some things that are both. Uh, the, the cons, and I think people are talking a little bit more about phone here is challenging if someone gets long winded, if you need to interject. And it's very true. You know, you, we talk about tangents on this show and a lot of times someone's going into therapy. It is a mutual relationship, but and this always depends on the kind of therapist you see. I will say with the type of therapy that I do, I don't expect you to sit and talk for 50 minutes straight. But some people do get kind of long-winded and we need to get, maybe if we have that limited time and we're working on something specific, it's harder to interject on the phone. <laughs> it completely is. It, it Video is. is even still more difficult. Yeah. Because if they're not paying attention to like signals in my room, it's a little easier than it might be on video. But yeah. Um, this next one really struck me both as somebody <laughs> like, uh, to do on with both ends of it, lots of ends. Yeah. It's hard for me to fight distractions and be focused. The temptation to just check emails for a second is something that I battle endlessly with. I also <laughs> miss the boundaries that come from physical spaces. It's hard to open up as much when I'm on the same webcam that I use for work, sitting at my desk that I use for work. And it's hard to process what we've talked about when I'm back in my office, the second the camera turns off. So this was one person and like, I, I like really, this stood out to me because that first part is it's hard for me on my end. I'm a distractible person. Um, if I'm in the same room with somebody, I, there is an element to it that I have to be a lot more focused. Yeah. It's right. <laughs> I'm this is a both way straight thing because oh, I think people I, don't. I, yeah. Go yes, ahead. I'm laughing because it's not just this. I have that same, the temptation to check emails for a second is, is something I deal with too. When we're podcasting, when I'm playing, you know, when I'm playing my D and D games online, which is a thing we've uh, mostly transitioned to over the last few years. Though one of my, my 
one of my groups we're we're meeting in person uh, a little bit now, but like that is an issue and some of those things too, and that helps to well help causes those to bog down a little bit. So those are other things where it's nice to have that flexibility of being online, but you also kind of have that issue where distractions are a lot easier to be distracting. And there you have to deal with crosstalk, which can be an issue in particular. Well, and I, I will tell you, I, like I said, I struggle with it personally, as you said, like it's something that I struggle with as the therapist. It's also something that I, because of the amount of technology I use and my familiarity can tell when some of the people I'm working with are starting to be doing other things. And I will say even to just not even just emails, but just distractions from the backgrounds and what else is going on. You know, like some of the times I have done this even before now, there's TVs in the background. There's other things that I can make a request like, hey, it's going to be kind of distracting. But those times, it's it's very, it's, it's, that is one of the things about being in your own environment. You are more comfortable. You might also be a little bit easier to kind of check out. Yeah. And, and one thing that I don't know that it's on here, but it kind of fits this too. And this is just kind of a, a the, the the technology of talking through a microphone and a headset as opposed to talking through using our voice to shake the air that we can hear with our eardrums like we do in physical space. You talk and you hear differently in the two environments with, you know, online versus in person. Yeah. And so sounds that are small and inconsequential like you say maybe a tv in the background um or an issue that i have in one of my particular groups is food um some people don't understand don't have a lot of like uh my etiquette of muting while they're doing things and then i have to just say whoever's crunching can you please mute your mic because i can't focus on what's going on because all i hear (laughs) is you crunching in my ear and so i could imagine not just that but I, i think there's a lot of other little things that can be distracting that wouldn't be in you know i i, I kind of learned that myself just from our early recordings some of our first episodes i don't sound great because just the the i'm using a headset mic instead of a standing mic and so there's just picking up lots of extra little sounds that aren't great and are very distracting for me to go back and listen to right and let's look at, you know, like I think it, this varies from person to person, but the, a con to me is the, the accessibility. I have a very nice setup. There's one reason I like being at home. Um, you know, I, I, I like being at home if I'm going to be doing video visits. Uh, and that is because I have my own technology, not the VAs, what they give us, where I've had technology go down or I've not been able to sign on and I'm using offices. And I have a nice headset with a nice microphone that we use for podcasting and a camera that I use for streaming. Like, I am somebody that's probably very well suited for this. And a con is not everybody has that. And let's even go simpler. Once again, people might not have access to even just teletherapy. Now, this is something that may be more accessible than it used to be in terms of, like you said, maybe getting in physically is kind of difficult too. So that's not the mm-hmm. biggest, but it is something we need to think about. And, 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 and it could be two different groups too. Like there's some, some folk who might have issues getting in physically, but have the technology availability versus folk who ha- don't have the technology availability, but getting in physically isn't as difficult. And so, or someone may have difficulties with both or neither, but it's, it's, it's not a, an access where it's one or the other. They're, they're 
so I want to talk about just real quick the 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 other half of this this person's statement about the after the distractions was that boundaries piece that mm. come from being in the same physical space, um, and also this is something to think about for all of us when you know we're using all of our technology for the same thing. So like they said, a benefit is I can switch from you know being doing my work to my appointment. Like you said, you don't have to wait; you could switch over, but you're likely sitting at the same place that you were. And you're now, that environment is now everything. Um, They kind of talk about like, you're literally back in your office as soon as the camera turns off. Yeah, Um, and that kind of fits, I'm going to bring in the next one on this list too, if if you don't mind, because I think this can can tie together for some folk. And this is a thing, not with therapy I've had, but I had this issue with work myself, with work from from home. So the next one was, once my session ends, there isn't much time to cool back and recenter. I'm just back in my life. And so I think these are both, both kind of getting at this same thing of when you are using this same space for your teletherapy, for work, for being your personal life. I was having that issue when I was working from home and using my computer at my personal computer at home to log in to do work. It made it really hard for me to create a separation. Um, a habit that I tried to, to st- I did a little bit and I never really got it set too much. And then all of a sudden we weren't working from home at all. But uh, a friend of mine suggested, I used to walk to work. I was, I lived within, I lived a few miles from work. So I'd walk to work every day. And so what I tried to do was on the days when I worked from home, rather than literally getting up and rolling into my computer desk, which was in my bedroom next to my bed, I would try to go for a short walk before I logged in to try to make that same separation that I had every day when I was in the office. And it's, it's really hard when you can't make that separation. So the next person kind of said, you know, a lot of times when therapies ended, people need, might need some time to process, to cool back and recenter, right. To, to, to think about what you just discussed or what was talked about for the last 50 minutes, let's say, um, you, that might not be an option or you, you, it, we might not feel that it's an option and we roll back right back into your life where we were. Yeah. Yep. I mean, if, if you're just sitting at home and then you're done and you're still sitting at home, you kind of, it's hard to, to have that decompression time or to take that decompression time that you might. I really like what you talked about there with like, just trying to add some sort of a semblance of routine. This was something that I think I did better you know, when we weren't two years in of like, I still got up and still did my whole morning routine before I logged in instead of just going straight from bed to work. Yeah, that was, that was something I, I did a little bit and it, it helped, but I didn't, I didn't get too consistently into it, but that was, it was hard. <laughs> this is like, especially in the moment you just, I, I wake up and it's like, I could take, 30 or 40 minutes to sort of ramp into my day, you know, take a shower, get dressed, go for a walk, come back, eat some breakfast. Like, or I could just log in early and then I can log out early. And then I go with the second option. And then I still have this sort of weird, like smear of my day where it's just like one thing goes to the next with no break in between it. It's just a continuous run. And yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was at. I never, I never really saw that for myself until we stopped going back until I stopped working from home. So, and I will say too, um, the, the, the next one of the cons that I wanted to talk about before, there's a couple more here from, from some people I want to talk about from being a therapist, things that I have seen 
it's not often, but these are the stories is people's boundaries are not necessarily as good if they're too comfortable. Um, so what's that mean? Uh, mm -hmm. I have literally had people that I have to have conversations with about not like smoking pot during the middle of session because I've, that was even telephone and I could just oh, hear it. Boy. And I had somebody kind of say to me like, yeah, or, you know, they're, they're doing things that they wouldn't be able to do in your office. The eating is a really good one. And I don't think that it's not that I wouldn't want somebody eating in my office necessarily, but there is an element that can impact that when it comes to, you know, they're scarfing down their lunch while we're doing a session, um, which is not something that I think they would feel comfortable doing in the office that does put up a barrier or uh, they're, you know, like I, I, even if it's not illegal substances, like I, I like just even smoking a cigarette while having session that might feel comfortable, but it also is something that feels weird because it's not something that would happen in a therapy space. Um, I've had people talk about like, you know, people, like answering in bed, obviously having just woken up and like not have a shirt on or, you know, just like the horror calls from work of like somebody goes into the bathroom and like leaves it on, like it's happened. Right. So like, I think that those things that kind of can be, make things very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else to add there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people talk about the idea just to just simply, it's harder for the therapist to, to make that the initial connection with the therapist uh, for a lot of people, uh, they can't see beyond a face in video, so they can't necessarily see. It's harder to pick up on the body language thing. So this is the flip side of when we talked about with the phone of not being distracted. For some people, it's harder to contact if they if they don't feel the therapist can see their same being jittery or they can't pick up on as much of those. Even with video, those seem to be difficult. And that's the thing is even, even with some video like that to go a little, a little back to the social anxiety thing like that. I think, I guess I never really looked into it or thought about it too deeply, but I think for me at least, that's why I don't like the phone as much because you don't, I, I it's, is, is the, the whole social anxiety thing. I'm constantly thinking, oh, this person hates me because I said something stupid. And if you were face to face with a person, it's a lot easier to pick up nonverbal cues of how the conversation is flowing. It's a lot harder to do that on the phone. Um, I say text is even di more different, is even more removed from that, but maybe it's an uncanny Valley thing where if it's a little bit, then it's more uncomfortable than if it's nothing or all. Yep. And, and, and I will say that I, I really do think that this is one of those pieces that's, um, it's going to vary from person to person, but I can, it, I know that for me, uh, I am one bouncy person and uh, that is going to be something that I might be able to mask as a therapist in video better than I can in person, but I don't know if it's necessary, but I do know that it's something I think about. Um, the last biggest con that did come up is this idea of privacy. Uh, people talked about like, if they're trying to have a session, like you said, you might be able to at work, go find a conference room or a room that's not being used, but it might not be possible. Or you might have young kids in the house. And this is a, Big one. That's the biggest example I can think of because it's happened. Um, or your significant other is working from home and there isn't really options. The privacy is a really hard one because if you think about it, you know, with, with like, it's definitely impacting, I think. Yes. So Alex, you brought up, I told you I was coming back to it. <laughs> Things that are both. Do you know yeah. why I brought that up? 
I, I've just scrolled down the page and I can see that now. Yeah. Dang it, I was wondering if you had figured it out beforehand. <laughs> so you were talking about that idea of being able to sign off and I did have somebody to kind of talk about that, right? Like, they, Or maybe they could turn off their video. Um, we've talked on this show a lot. Uh, somebody said, as someone with social anxiety, it was amazing for me. It's much easier to talk to a screen than it is to an in-person stranger. Um, you just You just mentioned kind of some difficulties with maybe phone. Um, I don't, we don't know video, but video has not been like something that you're comfortable as comfortable with. What yeah, I think it, that's, that's me. Other, other people have oh, different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm bringing these ones up. The other person said as a non-driver living over a mile from a bus system, much less any other public transportation, remote counseling was cost effective and an effective way to access resources. I needed to confront a site where I'd had a traumatic event and reestablish a routine that had been precious to me. So this is actually, I think, a pro. And I think that I brought it up because it brings up the idea of a traumatic event and kind of um, access the resources they needed to confront the site. The last person's example is step one, explain in detail why it's hard for me to leave the apartment. And I will say that this is a really good example. Uh, somebody said earlier too, like with my depression, maybe as far as I can make is the keyboard. Step two, they kind of feel like what they hear from a therapist is let's talk about getting you into our office 20 miles away. Step three, I still don't know what the office looks like because you don't go. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing these up as both pros and cons because unfortunately, as we've discussed on the show in the past, a lot of kind of those routines and those things that become ingrained that are unhealthy mm -hmm. are products of avoidance. Yes. So you've talked about your own social anxiety in the past and avoidance, not in a technology sense, but in, in the sense of avoidance. Yes. And, and that's the, yeah, it's, it's become, well, it's a problematic habit for me in my life now where I tend to just avoid uncomfortable things without intending to at this point, it's it, my, my anxiety was a big part of that along with some other things, but where I would just habitually, if something was a, kind of uncomfortable sort of avoid it and then things get neglected and things don't happen. And that's why I talk a little bit about friction. And that's a thing that I've found the last few years is something that I'm kind of really trying to focus in on for myself and finding ways to reduce friction. It's, it's kind of a way to, this is a term we haven't used, but it's one I learned from you and I love it. Cope ahead where if you know that you situations can be hard for you in the future, find ways to do th work in things now to help yourself in the future. And so that's where I look for ways to reduce friction to make it easier for me to not avoid things. So that when I get to it, there's, there's fewer, if, you know, if there's, if there's one little reason to avoid it as opposed to two or three small things, I I'm less likely to avoid it if I, uh, than if I have a small list of stuff. And so if I can kind of eliminate some of those earlier, before I hit a point where I'm feel low energy or my anxiety's up a little bit or things like that. I know I hope that was relevant. To where, it is. Where we're because this conversation. The reason I brought this up is both because I think that we're talking now about the difficulties in people that maybe would not have engaged in therapy at all. Right. Like that's what I was saying kind of before that you have people maybe that would just never have done the therapy because of these barriers or because of enough avoidance, you are moving up barriers than they're able to. Now, the problem might be, though, that that comfort level 
can also, even in, in, in kind of a pandemic world, but even just in a, a technology world, could be another way to limit. So I think it's just something that people need to be having a clear discussion with in what their goals are for therapy and, and having those discussions with them. Because a lot of depression therapy or depression, early depression work is like behavioral activation. It's to get out. And having to physically go in somewhere is difficult, but it's oftentimes a goal because it it, 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 it is a forcing to be out in some ways. And, and that first step can unlock further steps. It can. But you have to balance that with the fact that if you never get into a door or a video, yeah. if you never then it doesn't matter. Step. Yeah, if you if you never can never take that first step, then nothing follows. And this is where I think it's interesting to look at maybe what the early research has shown of, of, of the similar efficacies is because maybe it's not actually, it may be even better on teletherapy than we think because we might be capturing more people um, that, that maybe we're not engaging previously. And so like, them showing kind of a similar benefit to somebody who was coming in that could actually just be we're capturing people that were never getting seen which is a huge yeah that's that's true it, it could be as if if it was like exactly as effective as non-teletherapy but you were getting more people then overall it's a better it's a higher positive impact you know the i mainly wanted to talk today just about teletherapy because I think it is a, an interesting new thing. And I think that there are a lot of benefits and I do think that there's cons that we have to at least acknowledge that it's not like a great, it's not a perfect analog at least. And I, and I will say this maybe, for, maybe not for people that are going to it. Maybe they don't, it, it feels completely fine and great to them, but I will tell you that most therapists probably are struggling a little bit to be as effective. Um, and that's, that's going to be a shift. You know, we talked about paradigm shifts and I will say that there are therapists, and I, I I consider myself one of these, that have already been moving in this direction, but this is kind of a, now it's going to be a change overall across the board. And I, I'm interested to see. And, and what I say by already having gone this way is there's there are a lot of apps out there. Um, mm, yeah. And there are a lot of apps that are actually very good and, and, and are actually using evidence-based practices. Um I have some of them listed. I'm going to put them in the show notes. Ones that were kind of coming up with a resource list. Uh, th th like there's a there's a, a mainly a lot of them are trackers, and that's what a lot of early things have kind of like uh, to me. We've talked about Rote Runner, um, so that's the planning method that both Alex and I have been using since Alex introduced me to it. And like that's an example. It's a mindful approach to planning. Well, that's something that people can use. They can be keeping track of things like their mood daily. I actually currently am tracking my anxiety and depression on a 10, one to 10 scale every day. Um, people having that to do in their pocket with them to be able to pull that out. Uh, that's, that's a, it's a great thing to have. Uh, I mentioned to Shivam yesterday when him and I recorded. So time-wise, who knows that episode might be out by now, might not, who knows? <laughs> time uh, travel. Time travel. But I have, uh, aphantasia which is something i've only realized recently i think i've talked a little on the show but it's like the you can't get things in your mind eye well if i can find a guided meditation that is somebody talking which i have more ability to do with youtube that's an amazing thing uh websites like meetup.org where you can find activities when we're in a non-pandemic world these are things that i've been using for a lot of years to try to get people socially engaged there's these great resources that are available because of technology that already were being underutilized. Um, 
couple here that we list anger and irritability management skills. It's basically one that is how to manage anger and frustration tolerance. Kind of, it's a self-guided way to do it. It's based in evidence-based practices. It's based in cognitive behavioral. It's how do you, things that we've talked about on this show many times, a plan to deal with the agitations, agitating situations. How do you prepare? What are my warning signs? Uh, you have access to videos. You have access to self-help techniques. Virtual hope box, one that is focused a lot more on hope and coping. Uh, it, you can make your own coping cards that you can bring up on your phone. There are a lot of ways that we could be using technology that I think would be great to do. Yeah, and that, like you said, the, the coping cards like that it kind of fits to that coping ahead thing that helps you to build some stuff to help yourself when you're having, you know, whatever your particular, you know, issues are, if there's things going on, you can do stuff to help yourself. And, and you know, like, these are, these are basically digital and digital versions of things that we have been do asking people to do as part of therapy mm -hmm. for a long time. It's just, it may be more effective for some people. Yeah. And it's this again, talking about removing friction. Like it, it's, if there's an app that you can put on your phone, that's much, that's really helpful. It makes it a lot easier to do these things than oh, if yeah. you were to have to buy index cards and keep them in your pocket or something and keep them with you. Like it's, or a notebook that, was, that you journal in every night. Yeah. There's, it's just, it's so much easier to just have this app that kind of has the framework for you to fill in the stuff. I mean, that's why I love Rote Runner. Like I've for years have been trying to find different ways to kind of keep myself organized and make plans and stuff and have done some different things to varying success over the years. And we've talked about some of the stuff with, with planning, but it's like one of the reasons I love Rote Runner is it gives a really good framework for mindfulness and tracking like my water, like there's just a spot where I track how much water I've been drinking every day. And it's, it's so helpful to have that framework that someone else has put together and just said, here, you can just track all your stuff. All you got to do is fill in a bubble with a pencil and, and you have it. And there's a digital version of it. And yes. that is something that, you know, we've talked about and I've had this conversation. So this is one that I just kind of wanted to, to end on. Um, with as much as some of us are now all fully digital and having to be, mm -hmm. I actually found it interesting and helpful to be having a physical copy of the Rote Runner. Um, it's kind of hilarious. Because, That's why I like having a physical one. But I think that this, I do think that this might have been different a year or two ago. When, when I was not using computer all day long for everything that I did, and I was having to take tons of notes when on in, 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 in paper anyways, I might have wanted it uh, digital. because. Maybe I, maybe I would have been like, cool, I can do that at night on my phone. It's easier for me to do. But there's been something about wanting to disconnect. And I've had this conversation with some of my um, clients who are very much online people that like I brought up the idea of planning to them by using similar method and doing it analog after you and I did this. And I had buy-in um, nice. along those lines. You and I mm -hmm. are giving a giveaway. That's right. Yeah, did you know that? I, I mean, it's I, in the notes. I I, I did. <laughs> I, you, I remember you mentioning it to me in passing. So and we're then going, I got to the bottom of the yeah. notes and went, "Oh yeah, that's right." So that's right. Rope Runner is a is a six month planner, and they do have the digital and they have an analog. And so we are going to give away uh, basically a six month subscription or a paper copy, depending on what the person wants. Yeah, the, that's the, the whole point uh, of this episode. <laughs> yep. Well, and the, like, the digital is actual and annual, but yeah, it's. Oh, cool. Well, either way, 
Yeah, either way. We want it to be what people want. And I think that the point of this episode to me is technology is a resource that needs to be widely available. And it doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's going to be one size fits all. And I think that that's a key yeah. takeaway from today. There is yes. going to be pros and cons to it. Yes. And, and, and it's, it's the, not everybody is going to need a, not everyone's going to have the, the access to everything. And even if everyone had access to the exact same thing, it may not work as well for each person. So having something where people can kind of choose how to engage with it and how to use it is so good. That's why we want to do either a paper or on the digital, whatever Whichever people it feel comfortable with. I mean, it's kind of this preaching of what we do believe in when it comes to, you know, the, the story element to this, the Kamigawa and why it kicked off such a, like, like this, this, this really struck me, I think for the first time in a while, like I felt more inspiration mm-hmm. is because of this idea of accessibility and yeah. anything we can do to reduce that, you know, there are going to be pros and cons to no matter what, you know, that's kind of we can get into discussions about regulations on tech in in kamigawa and benefits that may have existed from it but the Mm -hmm. larger point of like being available for all is something i think you and i strongly believe in like absolutely that more people do getting good stuff is better yes so retweet the episode i will put instructions when i release it but we will be doing a giveaway of rote runner because alex and i believe in it that much trust us we're not sponsored if no. rote runner if you're out there whoever you are and you want to throw alex and i uh extra one so we don't have to keep spending our money every six months um yeah we'll take it but we're yeah, not sponsored yeah. we just no. really really are excited by it over and over again yeah absolutely keeps yeah that's all i got nice that's good and that's our show for today. You can find the hosts on Twitter. HobbsQ can be found at HobbsQ. And Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter. Or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmoke, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vinderdotton who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at hipstersofthecoast.com. Thank you all for listening. And remember, goblins like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.